0: Hello and welcome to The Long Short, a new podcast brought to you by AIMA, the Alternative Investment Management Association, focusing on the very latest insights on hedge funds and private credit. My name is Tom Kehoe and I'm the Global Head of Research and Communications at AIMA. AIMA is the global representative of the alternative investment industry with around 2,000 corporate members spread across 60 countries. Of these, our fund manager members account for approximately 2 trillion in hedge fund and private credit assets. Each bi-weekly episode of The Long Short will examine topical areas of interest from across the alternative investment universe, with news, views, and analysis delivered by Amis global team, as well as a host of industry experts. So whether you are a hedge fund or private credit industry veteran, a student of the industry, or just someone interested in learning more about hedge funds and private credit, this podcast will be your ideal companion to help navigate you through the long and short of this fascinating industry. Welcome to episode five of The Long Short. And this week, we'll be delighted to be joined by a seasoned industry recruiter across the funds industry, Mush Ali, who will provide his perspectives on the war on talent. And in a slight change to our normal practice, I'm joined today by the co-host of The Long Short and my colleague, Drew Nicol. Drew, welcome and thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks. And and can I start by saying it's odd being on
0: this side of the uh, the virtual interview desk. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, So... In addition, of course, to being the co-host of The Long Short, you've been busy working on a new research paper, which will be coming out tomorrow. And with mush also in this week's podcast, the paper specifically focuses on talent, or as you describe it, the war on talent being witnessed across the hedge fund industry. Why did AIMA decide to publish this research? Why now? So, each
1: year, we are tasked with exploring certain topics by AMA's Global Research Committee, and this year, the unanimous vote was to look into how talent management has evolved uh, across the industry. Obviously, the question of of talent and trends in the industry around hiring and staff retention is always top of mind for hedge funds, but even more so in the context of the past 18 months and the COVID-19 pandemic. As part of this research, we went to our members over the summer to get their perspective on these issues and then to really flesh that out and get a 360 viewpoint on the market. We also spoke to consultants and headhunters who spoke to how the war for talent is intensifying as the world reopens after the pandemic.
0: And this is a great segue to hear from Mush Ali, a seasoned industry recruiter, to provide his perspective on how the hedge fund recruitment market has evolved over the past decade. Mush, welcome to the Long Short. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Um, if you could do so, uh, please tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and One Ten Associates.
2: Thanks, Tom. I'm honoured. Uh,
0: yeah, really great to be on the show. Um,
2: as a brief intro on myself, uh, I've been recruiting within the hedge fund industry for about 15 years now. Uh, everything I do or we do is focused on the non-investment hiring within the industry. So. You know, I've I've cut my teeth working with working or hiring a lot of the COOs and CFOs in the industry, and then we build a lot of the non-investment teams that exist within hedge funds, asset managers, private equity funds, um, across the industry. So yeah, we've um, been pretty busy for the last for the last couple of years actually. But yeah, it's been interesting times.
0: And Mush, you were very generous as well to help us with um, an upcoming research paper that Ama is bringing out. Which talks about you know the war on talent that's been waged across uh, the fund industry and in particular the hedge fund industry and how that's intensifying, you know, from your experience, your long experience working 15 years now in this industry, would you agree with
2: that observation? Hugely, yeah. Um, it's weird, uh, uh, Tom. As, as as each month quarter starts ticking by over the last sort of 18 months, it's just getting more and more intense. I feel. Uh, um, we're just seeing managers continue to grow uh, and they're growing at a pace now, which I think is, and you've probably got more data on this and then I could comment on, but faster than what we saw in 05, 06, 07. Uh, and, and some of the growth that's going on at the moment is fantastic. And, and that's just led to, you know, demand for talent. And then that's the war for talent because to be able to kind of, you know, build out and satisfy investor demands build out your infrastructure the right way to continue to grow and you know get more capital allocated you need that talent uh, and we're, we're seeing the pressures uh intensify as each quarter goes by uh, and outlook at the moment tom i'd say is 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 pretty exciting i see going into next year
0: and um, what do you see? I mean, you talk about the, the war on talent and you talk about the market itself being at its most potent since, I think you said it was 2005, 2006. So mm. that's many years now. Um, what do you see as being the factors behind this fierce competition being experienced across the industry when it comes to talent management? I note that you know you focus on recruiting across the fund space, you know the operation side of the business, compliance, sales, marketing, IOR. You know, taking that part of the industry, which is you know the arguably the integral part of the industry. You know, what do you see as being the factors behind the fierce competition there?
2: I think, look, I, I, there's two parts going on at the moment. One one is the fact that look for the last two years the industry has able to create a lot of alpha right it's the, the markets have allowed hedge funds to really show why they're an amazing asset class to invest in because you know they they know how to work the markets i think the real driver that's going on at the moment i think is is all driven by the fact that there's more and more pressure from investors there's more and more pressure from regulation um you know it's 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 fascinating because I, I sit there i see that if I look at the service providers and the services that are now available to hedge funds now compared to 15 years ago, it's chalk and cheese, the technology is better, the, the the understanding of the industry is so much better. Yet there is just still continued evolution of what's going on in the industry right now. And that's driven by regulation, I think. That's driven by investor demand. I think investors are now really, really conscious of what controls need to be in place. And that's filtering down, you know, you know, the, the, the conversations that i have with coos now a lot of it driven straight after an investor meeting right because they're they're pushed to probe in certain areas where there is control gaps so i think a lot of it is driven by a more sophisticated investor asking more challenging questions which by default you know has a lot more pressure on the non-investment demands that are now put on hedge funds compared to Fifteen years ago, I think.
0: What do you see then as being the most sought after roles across hedge funds? Is you know
2: a great question because right now, and I hate to say it, but right across the street, as you as, as you touched on earlier, look, we we recruit across non investment talent, so finance, ops, compliance, legal, distribution, marketing. We've also built out now a tech quant team just because of the, the growth in that space, and I mean every area. Is is hugely in demand, and we'll probably talk on a little bit as as we go along about technology. But you know, every role is is evolved through the through the touch product technology now. So we're finding that in all areas, you know, everyone wants talent, but you've got to understand technology, and you've got to evolve with technology. I guess. That
0: well, that's a great segue in terms of uh, yeah. the the focus on technology, and and you're quoted in the paper when we describe how technology really impacts on every part of the hedge fund business as you said Mm -hmm. from the front office Mm -hmm. now to the middle and back office and if I may quote you you're saying that the pace of change of the types of people that you are now placing has changed dramatically and that any hires that you that you would look to make they need to have as a prerequisite a competency in technology what do you mean by that
2: I'll simplify it. I mean, you know, we've got a piece of work at the moment for a hedge fund where they're looking for just an accountant, but they want them to understand SQL or Python as well, right? Two years ago, Tom, I just needed an ACA, right? You know, you know, what operations, I think, is, you know, way ahead of the curve in terms of how it looks at technology and, you know, a normal ops person now needs to understand some sort of coding, right? people are looking at ways they can make processes just a lot more efficient. And I think, I i mean, again, general topic here, but I just feel like across what we all do, if we don't embrace the change of technology, we'll be left behind. Um, but hedge funds, you know, the front office world has been way ahead of the curve and trying to beat the markets by using technology and that just filters right across the business um you know we're seeing it in marketing in ir we're seeing it how you know people want to look at data now in different ways to be able to market um so it's it's filtering all the way through uh and when i'm talking to talent and you know if i know people are always in unfortunate situations and and that's you know our our place where people will call us when they've been redundant or situations have happened i'm just always encouraging please go on a course please go on some sort of course just because it will differentiate you when you interview and it's so so important and anyone's listening to this that's part of my overriding message if you're in a tough place or you know, kind of looking for your next role and you're you're trying to figure out how you differentiate yourself. That's the way you do. Go on a course, go on a Python course, go on some sort of course, which shows that you don't have to be an expert, but it's just appreciating how you know, technology can impact your day job, that it will so differentiate you.
0: That bar has been risen higher then, not just the accountancy qualification is needed or your, your mm. finance qualification, but there needs to be an appreciation around mm. coding or an understanding as to how technology, as you say, permeates every part of the business. And, you know, having someone in with that skill set will be more preferred and more attractive candidate for, you know, the hedge fund employer than somebody who just comes in, when I say just, but comes in with, you know, a, an accountancy background.
2: Correct. And I, I, look, I think, you know, it, you know, in the up and coming talent pool that's coming through, it's it's just a given, you, you know, without it you're not going to get through the door. But the mid to senior level, you know, that, that's where I see the challenges because I'm seeing people who may have lost their jobs, who may be out of work or may departments have got restructured and they, you know, seven to 10 years into their career. There's the talent, that's the talent I worry about sometimes because, you know, the younger generation, I think, are aware of this and it's just part of their DNA now. But the sort of, what I'd say, that pace of change that's happened over the last two, three years, that talent that's sort of five to 15 years in in, in their career, they find themselves a bit of a culture shock, I think, when they come out to market. And if they haven't been in a hedge fund that has been pushing technology, they're a little bit like surprised. It is is hard uh, for them.
0: Very useful insights, Mush. Um, And we'll hear more from you in a few moments. But for now, we'll go to a brief interlude.
1: AIMA invites you to join us on the 17th of November for our Global Policy and Regulatory Forum. Our 2021 forum is taking place fully virtually and will offer you an unparalleled insight into key trends in policymaking. We have panels devoted to the AIFMD review, the supervision of ESG claims, and developments in the regulation of market structure and short selling. We will also have keynotes from Dawn Stump, Commissioner at the CFTC, and Martin Maloney New Secretary General at IOSCO. If you'd like to join the event, please visit www.ama.org to register. We look forward to seeing you there.
0: Welcome back to the long short. I'm joined today by Mush Ali, um, seasoned industry recruiter and founder of 110 Associates. So, much our research also highlights the growing influence of ESG. You know, mm. we note that ESG and responsible investment specialists will be among the most sought after hires across the alternative investment funds industry over the next five to 10 years. Mm. That's a bold statement. You know, we heard from the market, you know, it's not very clear in terms of the Um, the survey and the data that we took from the practitioners in terms of it being in immediate importance, but certainly firms are looking to equip themselves. They're looking across the landscape and they're saying, you know, how can I find people to be able to fit the expectations of investors when it comes to incorporating ESG factors, when it comes to acknowledging the need to do things in a more sustainable way? Um, you know, but do you concur with that? What are you seeing in the market? And is there any evidence regarding, you know, that in terms of the industry looking to hire ESG personnel now, or indeed, you know, uh, planning to do so? We talk about this next frontier in terms of hiring. Now, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I mean, I, obviously I saw that in your report, and it, it, it definitely caught my attention, right? Uh, for, for different reasons, in a way. I mean, one... one definitely it's a topic that comes up with our clients but the moment it's still early doors right so what i'm seeing is people within an organization are being reshuffled into those esg roles or you know because it's because it's it's hugely topical hugely important you know investors are driving this agenda as well and and you know our clients are reacting right and rightly so i think the way it's being tackled from a talent perspective at the moment is it's about internal restructuring rather than mush, go and find me an ESG specialist. And don't get me wrong, in the last probably month, we've had about four clients reach out about ESG and want to hire an ESG. So if we had this conversation last month, Tom would gone, wow, well, still, still, I don't feel like people are reaching out for external talent. It feels like they're keeping it within. We are now starting to see the the, the, the shift where we've had four requests come in this last month on ESG. So I think, yeah, it, it, for me as a recruiter, I, I feel like, yeah, it's it's like every area. This will this will continue to grow because it's you know this industry driven by investors. So I think it's absolutely true. It's probably this time next year where it really starts to filter through.
0: Okay, so I mean, you you would concur, and even even as much as like you say. Um, or rather, as soon as you know, this time next year we might see that rate of hiring ramp up. Um, mm-hmm. And and what you've been telling me so far is that very this is very much an employee market rather than an employer's market when it comes to hiring. You know, and and there is a, you know a huge rate of hiring taking place across the industry. I think we all agree with that. Um, so what are hedge funds then? And, and hedge fund firms doing, you know, to keep their staff happy um, mm-hmm. and to go about best attracting new talent?
2: So I think um, look, there's two points I'd say here. I, I think in terms of attracting talent at the moment, do you think, like I'm saying to my clients right now, when people reach out to me for new roles, I'm saying, look, you know, first and foremost, you've got to pay for talent now, right? You, you know, be prepared. It's going to be competitive. What you've budgeted for, I'd add 10 to 20 grand more because people are not letting go of their talent. You know, the amount of buyback situations I have now in every role that we work for, it's happening all the time because so you've just the inflation of what you need to pay for talent, be prepared, right? It is required and it's no joke. It's yeah, we're seeing it firsthand. The flip side I'd say is look, there is the first question that people are asking me, you know, what's flexibility like? So that question comes up. I mean, interesting Tom, I, I, ran, a, I ran a survey uh, on LinkedIn a while back around what's important for people. And I got really interesting views. I got a real mixed bag. So 30% said salary bonus, 30% said promotion, 30% said um, flexibility. And I, I was surprised by that. So for me, the hardest thing now for clients or for, for funds that are recruiting is you've got to do all of the above really well. You've got to offer a platform that offers someone a chance to feel like they have a career. You've got to be consensitive to the fact that people actually want flexibility. If you want to retain them, you need to think about it. The hardline approach, I just don't think is the right way forward anymore. Um, I'm seeing funds do it though. So it, it is back and people are like, we want you back in five days a week. But I just, I, I don't think that's the right approach. Um, and then you've got to offer a, you know, a, a pathway for them feeling like they have a career, right? Um, and I think in the past interview processes were, were all, one-sided to some extent you need to start selling your firm what's important why it's important where you could fit in you need to start showing talent that coming through the door why you know your particular firm is you know exciting place to be for the next two three four five years of their career you know the shift is more we need to sell more right around those areas right you know flexibility career progression and you know bonus and salary are a crass point but you know it, that comes out at the end of the wash, but at that point, if you're if you're offering someone, don't script and save. You've got to put your money where your mouth is because it's, you know, it's a really it's a really crass market out there in terms of hiring at the moment. In terms of retention, um, talk to your staff, right? I, I I I find that you know this time of year we, we, we're always getting called about, mush, you know, sort of salary survey benchmarks that stuff. It's a given. Right. But but what are your staff wanting at the moment? You know, sometimes it's minor, minor things like they feel like, you know, hedge funds are a very flat structure. Right. They want to feel like they're progressing their career. So maybe a slight tweak in title can make a huge difference to how someone feels. But senior management don't appreciate that. And it really does make a difference sometimes. Um, So so to me, I think in terms of staff retention, be aware your staff will be being called no matter where they work. At some point in the last three months, the last month, in the last week, if they have an open dialogue with you, they're more likely to not want to move around. Um, if they're not having an open dialogue about their careers, what's going on, where their where where their future might be, they'll probably take that call. They'll probably you know kind of see whether they're where their market position is. But the more you communicate with your staff, that's my overriding message in terms of staff retention. The more they feel like they're part of the journey, that's an exciting journey because. Everyone's doing well right now. The more they're, they're unlikely to want to take a call from a recruiter.
0: So pay them more money, give them more flexibility. Yeah. Think about culture. Hopefully. Yeah. Um,
2: it's a nightmare, Dom. It, it, you're right. I mean, so somebody, you, you, sorry to interrupt you there, but it's it's hard. I mean, I, I you know, I run my own business. I employ, you know, I, I, it's a real challenge at the moment in terms of the juggling app for employers because it, it's very fickle.
0: And, and, and have them call you right. So pay them more money, get more culture, and then have them call you and tell them what else they're missing. Exactly. I suppose the last thing I would say is, <laughs> is when we think about that balance, you know, at the moment, as you say, it's a, um, it is very much an employees market. You know, can you see that balance tipping anytime soon for it to become an employer-led market, or do you very much see this as being? Uh, you know, the tipping point and it is very much then about employees' needs and expectations and that is what's going to drive the talent management process going forward.
2: I think, look, as I said at the beginning of this this podcast, look, you know, I've been in the industry 15 years and I don't think you can look any further than six months, right? And for me, for the next six months, it looks very positive and it looks to continue to be an employer's market, uh, employee's market, right? Um, I can't look further than that. Because we all know, like it's a fickle industry, right? We, you know, something can change that dramatically, and then suddenly, you know, we'll, we'll, it's back to an employer's market. But at the moment, for the next six months, I don't see that changing. Touch wood.
0: Thanks very much for joining, um, joining us today, Mush. Uh, you know, your quotes as well um, are uh, mentioned in our upcoming research paper. Anders' advice as well on uh, those um, entry level. Uh, graduates as well who are looking to enter the industry so thanks again for your time
2: can i just add one point Sure. sure. just on this um i I think look there's a lot of people out there that will be looking for talent trying to find talent and find it really frustrating because london is meant to be kind of a center point of talent um and look one of the reasons that i'm seeing that it is a challenge is is because we've we, we have closed our borders for the for the last three years and that's had a direct impact on the diversity of diversity of talent so it's that's the challenge I think at the moment you know the overriding message of yours on war of talent part of it is driven by the fact that we're not seeing the same level of influx of external talent coming into the country like you used to which um I, I don't have an answer for it because I worry about it. I genuinely worry about it because I, I, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing the direct impacts of it. So, you know, clients have got to think laterally when they're hiring, the usual way of hiring or the way you usually look for talent. I think you've got to look differently and how you want to bring people in. So, yeah, it's, sorry. I just went off tangent there, but it's just something that I'm, I'm seeing a lot of at the moment where we're getting a lot of pressure from clients saying, well, why can't you find the talent? Well, it's just not there. And you've got to look laterally, and that's my that's my point. I'm saying to clients, you've got to think laterally now, because you know what you think is your sort of normal, typical profile may not be the norm anymore.
0: Yep, think outside the box. Um Sorry. Very, very uh, insightful, um, Thanks, Tom. very, very helpful. Thanks again for your time, Mush. We'd love to have you back on the show. No, and I really
2: enjoyed that. You, you, can,
0: you can tell us uh, how the market has changed six months from now. Maybe, maybe we'll be talking about entirely new perspectives, but great to have you on the show and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks, Tom. Uh, fascinating insights. I think you'd agree, Drew, uh, from Mush on uh, the war on talent as we describe it across the funds industry. Um, you know, the paper itself, as you say, is coming out tomorrow you know, in a sneak peek to listeners. You know, what are the other key takeaways or have you got one key takeaway in addition to what Mush said with regard to this paper?
1: Yeah. So I thought what was really interesting was, was what Mush was saying to you around uh, ESG and, and the growing demand that he's seeing, even over the last few weeks, around demand from his clients for uh, ESG specialists. Um, in one of the chapters of the paper, we uh, make, as you, I think you said, the, the bold prediction that ESG specialists will uh, soon become one of the most in-demand skill sets over the next maybe five to ten years. And, and, and why this was so interesting was because in the survey itself, only a third of respondents said they had an ESG specialist on staff today, uh, which we thought was kind of low considering how much emphasis... Uh, our members, I know, place on ESG and responsible investing uh, when it comes to our conversations with them and industry events and 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 pretty much everywhere else. But what we heard from the subsequent interviews was that we're really on the cusp of a boom in hiring uh, for uh, people with these skill sets, which can come in many shapes and sizes. And so it was just interesting to hear Mush uh, to reinforce that and agree with that, uh, even in, on a much smaller time scale than maybe what we were saying. Uh, And I think that that sort of you mentioned the investor pressure there, but it's also interesting that the regulation will really be a driver of this as well. Uh, In episode two, I spoke to uh, our colleague Adam Jacobs-Dean, who spoke to the uh, effects of the sustainable finance disclosure regulation in the EU and the effect that that is having on making EMEA-based hedge funds um, up their game when it comes to their ESG expertise. And and he predicted that this is going to play out in other regions soon. Um, Obviously, this is one that we'll have to have to watch over the coming months and years. Um, And as I said, this is only one chapter of the paper and uh, we don't want to give away everything before it comes out. So so I'll have to leave it there, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, indeed. And and the paper itself out on Thursday, uh, downloadable from AMA.org, yes?
1: Exactly, yeah, out tomorrow. Um, very exciting. Uh, this is my first paper with Ama, so I'm, I'm very excited to see this hit the shelves, as it were, um, available to download from ama.org, as you say. Uh, and actually, I, if you'll let me, I just want to take this opportunity to, to thank all the contributors to this survey and the report, of which there are many. Uh, I've already mentioned the, uh, the Ama Research Committee, but also everybody that gave up their time to speak to us in their one-to-one interviews. Uh, many hours of conversations were had on this. Everybody that, that, that looked it over and offered their wisdom and insight, uh, we're very grateful for that, and, and we hope that people
0: find it useful. Uh, thanks again, Drew, uh, for joining me and uh, for co-hosting today's Long Short. The Long Short was brought to you by EMA, the Alternative Investment Management Association, the global representative of the alternative investment industry. And in our next podcast out on the 17th of November we'll be joined by the U.S. Alternative Investment Consulting Team at KPMG to discuss the findings of a new collaborative thought leadership piece which examines how the hedge fund industry is evolving its business model as the world exits the COVID-19 pandemic. New podcasts at a long short are available every other Wednesday at AMA.org, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google. So if you like what you hear please spread the word. Thanks for listening